Welcome to Hope's Garden and the Bridegroom Speaks podcast with Laura Ercolino. I could not find the exact translation of the song that John Afford was using. So what I decided I would do is just read to you from Cantata. So I'm going to start with that and it's in the fifth chapter. So I'll read the fourth poem, The Storm of Summer. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. The fourth poem, The Bride. I sleep, but my heart is awake. I hear my beloved knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of night. I have taken off my tunic. Am I to put it on again? I have washed my feet. Am I to dirty them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the hole in the door. I trembled to the core of my being. Then I rose to open to my beloved. Myrrh ran off my hands, pure myrrh off my fingers on to the handle of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but he had turned his back and gone. My soul failed at his flight. I sought him, but I did not find him. I called to him, but he did not answer. The watchmen came upon me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me, they wounded me, they took away my cloak, they who guard the ramparts. I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, if you should find my beloved, what must you tell him? That I am sick with love. The chorus. What makes your beloved better than other lovers, O loveliest of women? What makes your beloved better than other lovers to give us a charge like this? The Bride My beloved is fresh and ruddy to be known among 10,000. His head is golden, purest gold. His locks are palm fronds and black as the raven. His eyes are doves at a pool of water, bathed in milk, at rest on a pool. His cheeks are beds of spices, banks sweetly scented. His lips are lilies, distilling pure myrrh. His hands are golden, rounded, set with jewels of Tarshish. His belly, a block of ivory, covered with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set in sockets of pure gold. His appearance is that of Lebanon, unrivaled as the cedars. His conversation is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovable. Such is my beloved, such is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. 
the chorus. Where did your beloved go, O loveliest of women? Which way did your beloved turn so that we can help you look for him? The bride. My beloved went down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He pastures his flock among the lilies. I shared at our retreat last summer that verses 510 through 516, the bride's description and praise of the bridegroom, that the Lord had let me know that this is his favorite passage in the song for praising him. When he inspired me with the seven joys rosary, this is the passage that is in the joy of Mary introducing the bridegroom to the world through the three kings, that this is how the words that she used to describe the baby Jesus. And then I found St. John of Ford and his beautiful sermons on these lines and the beauty of the bridegroom. The title of this chapter, Jesus Christ, the man in all his resplendent beauty. The book is sky blue is the sapphire, crimson the rose, still point of desire in John of Ford, the nobility found in Jesus. If you desire to know more about Jesus whom you love, ask the bride about him. Tell me about your beloved. The person who has been enriched with knowledge of Jesus will tell you. Jesus has a nobility in his nature in two important ways. And in both, he is as wonderfully renowned as he is beautiful and lovable beyond all conceiving. The bride quickly answers these desires of her friends that they are so lovingly conceived by the spirit of love so gently too, giving birth to love, though not without pain and grief. Here are pains like those of childbirth until the love of Christ is fully formed in her. Now, whoever is a bride of the Lord and a mother of Jesus groans in sympathy with anyone yearning for the love of Jesus, and she stands by her when that love is in labor. When at last she has brought this love to birth, the bride ardently rejoices with her because a child has been born into the world. I see so much of what we talk about so often here, just in that first paragraph, right? So one, if we look at it as to know more about Jesus whom you love, ask the bride about him. Ask Mary, Mary, the first bride, the first spouse of the Holy Spirit, the first bride at the foot of the cross. Ask her to tell you about her beloved. A wonderful, profound, and powerful prayer to enter into to spend some time asking Mary to tell you about Jesus. And continuing with Mary as the bride, this is what we talk about. This is where the womb of my heart rosary came from. The bride quickly answers 
how quickly will Mary answer that prayer? How much does she want us to make our hearts that fertile womb like hers to give birth to Jesus again? She's going to answer that prayer. And she's going to stay with us and lead us through that process of nurturing Jesus within the womb of our hearts and then birthing his love anew in this world. And yes, there will be pain. I, I was thinking about that again the other day, even just equating my physical chest pain and thinking about how he says that he will give us a new heart and how many saints have had the mystical experience of him removing their heart and placing his heart in them. Well, and it seems so beautiful, right? But meditate, <laughs> really contemplate his heart, his heart, the pain, the piercing, the piercing of Mary's heart. You're in deeply into what you're asking for, what you're praying for, to have the heart of Jesus comes with joys and with pains. And Mary knows these. She knows this better than anyone. And so as the bride, she will stand by us through this process. And then through Hope's Garden, this is the process he's asking each of us then. Now that we have come to know the love of the bridegroom, he's sending us women who are aching and yearning to know the love of the bridegroom. And so now it's our job to stand with Mary, to stand with them, and to help them through this process of birthing Jesus anew through the joys and the pains. You want to know, the bride asks, in what way Jesus, my beloved, is more beautiful than any other? This is a vast theme in many ways. He is a fire that shines and burns, especially for his beloved father, since he too is a fire and a font of light and heat for his only son. And he loves him with a love as marvelous as it is beyond our comprehending. He has poured into him all the fullness of his glory and power. So great is the force of love pouring out on him from that font of love that the father and his beloved son are not only co-eternal and co-equal with each other, but they also have one and the same essence, in every way undifferentiated. This font of love is the primary channel of living water, a font of life to all who drink from it. All holy love draws its joy from this font. And in order that it may perpetually flow towards eternal life, from which it must also spring, it wells up forever with desire towards its font, rushing tirelessly back to its origin. So great is the power of this love, which flows from the very deepest and primary font of love, that it unites its lover to its source. There is, however, no question of unity of nature, for that is something unique and incomparable that is possible only in the source itself. What we have here is an indissolvable bond of union, for the person who cleaves to the Lord becomes one spirit with him.
living water. The more I think about that it's the living water that will quench me, sustain me, that that's where I want to be is in that torrent of living water all the time. It just always brings me back to the side wound of Christ, that this is where the living water pours out of, that everything I long for, everything I need comes from the cleft in the rock, that that's where I want to stay. Reading this also brought to mind again, John Paul II's quote about, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but how the giving and the receiving interpenetrate and become one, right? That when we're so close, when we can draw into this union, this indissolvable union that he's speaking of with Christ, with the Trinity, with the source of living water, then that water, its effort becomes effortless for the bride. The living water of God, of the Holy Trinity, that love pours into her and pours out of her. Just a continual into and out of, a flowing in and a flowing out. And it just becomes effortless because she's in union with the source. She doesn't even, in a sense, have to drink anymore, right? Open wide your mouth and I shall fill it. I will satisfy you with honey from the rock. You don't have to do anything but open. Open and receive. And desire is the key. Do we desire that? Do we desire to be in that one spirit union with the living source, with the font of all love and holiness? Because if we desire it, if that is truly our heart's desire, if we can allow him to rightly order our desires, and lead us through the painful process of detachment from all other desires, he will satisfy that desire. He will do it. We don't have to strive and work at it. We have to allow him to rightly order our desires. And like the bride says in the beginning of the song, he took me into his banquet hall and rightly ordered charity within me. That as we draw closer, as we let him know we desire him and we want him to be our only desire and we allow him, we surrender and drink deeply of his love, allow him to bring us into the banqueting hall. He will do the work within us. We only need the desire. And in everything, we come back to remembering that we can do nothing apart from him and that even to desire the desire to desire him alone means we need grace. So for everything, asking for the grace and be specific. Lord, I desire the grace to desire you above all else. I desire the grace to be able to surrender and truly open to you, to be vulnerable, to allow my heart to be naked without shame before you. I desire the grace to be able to do that. He knows all the things that get in our way. He knows what the obstacles are, the walls, the hurts and the pains. And if we simply ask, we don't have to know all of them. We just need to know we want to be able to be that open and vulnerable with him. And he'll lead the way. He'll lead the way. And like John Ford says, there will be pain, but it's a different kind of pain. <laughs> it's a different kind of pain. When we allow him to lead, when we're not fighting 
the pain in our reality, but we're submitting to his will in that and surrendering and allowing him to work in that pain. I can't explain it, but it's a different kind of pain. <laughs> it's what father calls healing pain. And that healing pain differs from the pain of being wounded. It might be the same wound he's drawing me into, but the pain will be different than in that moment when that wound was inflicted because it's Jesus. It's more like having the surgery to fix the problem than the problem occurring, than the event that caused the illness, the wound. Does that make sense? There's pain, right? Even when we have surgery and we know they have fixed something, they've reset the bone or done surgery, there's pain in that healing from physical healing. Well, it's the same with the spiritual wounds and the emotional wounds, the heart wounds. There will be pain in the healing process, but it's healing pain and it's Jesus. And so he is both the doctor and the comforter. I think so much about the myrrh, the sachet of myrrh that lies between our breast. Myrrh is bitter. I don't even like the way it smells. Nice. It's also a pain reliever. It's the cross of Christ. The cross that was painful, but led to the resurrection, led to the opening of the gates, the doors to the eternal wedding feast. So again, it's this concept that as brides of Christ, the agony and the ecstasy are inseparable. They're intermingled and they coexist. It is possible to feel them both at the same time, to exist in the midst of agony and ecstasy in the same moment. It is possible. I'd like to just finish. We just have two little paragraphs left. In the same way as the father is lovely and desirable, just so is his only begotten son, radiant from pure light, red hot from burning heat. Seeing that my beloved is truly a fire, he shines and burns exceedingly. But he does this as one whom the father loves, and he is in turn loved totally with an equal charity. For the Father is the source of light and infinite heat to his loved and loving only Son. So together they are one light and one heat, since they are in essence wisdom, truth, holiness, goodness. Wisdom, the artificer of all things, having all knowledge. Truth, vanquishing with its brightness the shadows of error, the lurking places of deceit. Holiness, totally erasing all corruption and impurity. Goodness, freely communicating its very self, even to the unworthy. This light strips away all the darkness of blindness and ignorance in which night had enveloped mankind. O most beautiful light, O radiance of light eternal, you were that from the beginning. You were like that, O everlasting loveliness, in those everlasting days of yours, in the years of your eternity. You were like that, O oh, Lord Jesus, wise, true, holy, good, but you were this 
for yourself and for your beloved father who loves you. With you was the beginning on the day of your birth, and you were with him, and you were total joy to him, and so was he to you. Wisdom, truth, holiness, goodness, joy. Another invitation to contemplation and prayer. Just those words to enter in. Lord, enlighten my mind and heart to show me where even though I profess to believe in your wisdom, truth, holiness, and goodness, and that you call me to be joy in this world, show me. Show me where that belief does not run deep into the core of my being. Show me the wounds, the lies that stand in the way of my truly knowing, believing, and trusting freely and totally in your wisdom, your truth, your holiness, and your goodness, and that prevent me from being freely and totally joyful in you. I desire, Lord, I desire to trust and fully believe that you, who are all good, all holy, all wisdom and truth and joy, that you do abide within me. And that all that you are and all that is yours is mine. Help my unbelief. Heal me, Lord. My belief and trust might be true and deeply rooted in you. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. For more resources and our consecration to Christ the Bridegroom, visit hopesgarden.com, the sanctuary where the spousal love of Christ the Bridegroom heals hearts, marriages, and families. You may also want to join our community powered by Mighty Networks. Download the Mighty Networks app, and find us at Hope's Garden.